There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yo, somewhere on the grounds of something? I'm in Nottingham, yes. <clears throat> Nottingham has grass a... courts of Nottingham. Grass court tournament. It's where Robin Hood is from. This is correct, C- Caitlin. I we am. are about a, th- a three-minute walk from the Robin Hood castle. Oh, really? Have you been to it before? Mm. No, not yet. No, it look, not yet. It looks frigid based on your outfit. It's freezing here. It's not getting above 60 Eight degrees all week. <laughs> um, who's your player got? Is she playing today? Uh, no, Sam is not playing today. She uh, may play tomorrow. Depends on the schedule because the rain has been it's been shitty weather over the last couple of days. So uh, they've everybody's backed up. Not good. And um, no. this is one of many grass court events uh, ahead of yeah. Wimbledon, it goes, of course. Yeah, it's n- Nottingham. Birmingham, Eastbourne, and then Wimbledon. So it's a it's a it's a good. Everyone's going to get very used to the uh, cloudy, rainy conditions of England. You can't really play on a grass court that has had rain on it. It's one of the few surfaces that just does not absorb water. No, it does not. You have to have the bubble up, um, and if you don't have the bubble up, then you have the covers on the court, but then you have to get the water off of those, and you've got to clean that, and you've got to let it dry. So it's, uh, you know, it's my favourite surface, but it is also the world's most frustrating surface to play on because you really have to have perfect conditions to play in it. Though it's been cloudy all day and we, we are playing. You may hear in the background a, a bit of clapping from the centre court here, and there it is. Oh, I like how um, the here? Brit... The Brits have adjusted to all of the interruptions in play with just drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, you know, we've got a little bit of pint action going on. We've got a little bit of gin action going on. We've got a scampi and chips. We've got a lavaza stand. You know, it's, they, they like a little bit of a fair here in, in England. They like to sort of make everyone feel at home. Well, I love that. And actually, as we are speaking today, I'm still in Brooklyn, New York, where it is a beautiful 75 degrees. It has been so bad here in, in New York in the last couple of weeks, but now finally we have good weather. And I just booked my tickets to Wimbledon. Fun details for anybody listening. Stay tuned uh, and sign up to our newsletter for a sneak peek about how to attend our London Racket House, which is going to be in Wimbledon Village. We don't charge tickets to this event. It's invite only. 
But if you're somebody who listens to the podcast and somebody who's been subscribing to our newsletter since the jump, uh, you will get access to uh, be invited to this uh, two-day event in London, England. Um, Renee, we're already off to the races. We're already recording. It's our podcast. We are already on the grass courts, but we do this Monday after the French Open have an opportunity to look back on clay season, specifically the clay grand slam that just occurred. Uh, Roland Garros, nobody should have been surprised at who was hoisting the trophies between Iga Sviantek on the women's side and Rafa Nadal on the men's. Um, But I am curious as to any sort of like takeaways or new thoughts you might've had in terms of watching not only this weekend's matches, but really watching for the past two weeks. So obviously we're coming off the French Open. Um, What an incredible couple of weeks. You know, we had such a, a strange couple of years, really, at the French Open with obviously no fans. We had the mask. I mean, who can forget the champion holding up the trophy with the mask? And, you know, it was just it just felt so weird. And then, of course, we had it at a at random time. And then, you know, we've had some pretty crappy weather over the last few years at the French. And then all of a sudden this year, it was like the heavens just the clouds went away. The sun came out. It was the most amazing two weeks of weather. And we had some spectacular tennis and, you know, to have great weather in Paris and all the crowds back and everybody commented on that and their speeches and how nice it is over the last few years, how difficult COVID has been for all the players and obviously for the French Federation and the fans and they were all back and, you know, we just had some spectacular matches, of course, uh, probably the match of the tournament. um, Well, there were several, I mean, that were involving of Rafael Nadal. I mean, his match against Felix Auger, Aliassime, you know, in five sets and you, you were thinking, is this the time? Is it this, the passing of the, the guard a little bit? You know, is, when is Rafa going to be done? And then he, the, he scrapes through that match. And then this incredible match in the quarterfinals where, you know, I don't know, maybe the French Federation should have seeded Rafa one or two. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Why did they leave him there? And of course, he has to play against Novak in the quarterfinals and one of the truly unbelievable, once again, memorable matches between, you know, two greatest players of all time. And, you know, and then it's almost like it was too easy for him, obviously, in the final. But, uh, you know, he had that des- just that awful injury from Zverev where the match was just going forever, three over three hours and hadn't even finished two sets. And, you know, just to see Rafa again find a way with a, a literally a dead foot. I mean, and I knew when he said that he was bringing his doctor to the French Open, I knew exactly what was going to be happening. I knew that he would be hitting uh, that foot up with as much painkiller anesthetic uh that he could to, to to make the foot operable you know to be able to operate on the tennis court and run and you know to see what he did by winning the tournament again is just outrageous yeah, um, i want to let me jump in there just, just to add a little context because i think a lot of people don't know that wimbledon is the only tournament that seeds players separately from rankings they seed players based on they're basically their success rate and their history on the surface. So obviously because grass is such an outlier and it tends to favor certain volleyer types and first strike types, you know, it has always made sense as to why, even as the surfaces slow down, they have a separate seating mechanism. It does maybe make sense for Rafa, at least, to take into account that nobody really can beat him at the French Open. I mean, yeah, on clay, they can beat him, obviously, Madrid at altitude. He's not won every single Barcelona or Rome or Madrid or Monte Carlo tournament he's entered, but you know, the French open, he's lost three times in 17 attempts. So it's sort of 
does make you wonder why they wouldn't just adjust it so that we don't have a Novak Rafa quarterfinal. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think the only one I think they could have left Sitsipas obviously uh, where he was just because you know, he's he he played so well that last year. I mean, he was one set away from winning the French Open last year. So clearly leave him there. And he had a great season on clay. But but it just to, to not put him in the top four, I think there was a there could have been a time to put him in the top four. And, it, you know, if, it, if someone wants to argue with me about that, then go ahead. Like, because um, I think I'm going to win that battle considering he won his 14th French Open. Okay, easily. Again, he won it he, easily. I mean, and it's hard to imagine. Yeah. He would have lost to Chilich or to Medvedev. Obviously, two great players. Chilich has won a Grand Slam, as has Medvedev. Those were the players, along with Tsitsipas, in the bottom half of the draw. And Kasparud, great player, super happy to see him. He seems like a nice guy. He seems well-liked. But he just, like, didn't even come close in the final. I mean, he has nothing to hurt Rafa with. And it does make you wonder that why that wasn't, you know, a quarterfinal match, and then we were watching Novak and, and Rafa in the final. Certainly, you know, when people say, yes, you adjust on grass because of the fact that, you know, it is such a different surface to a hard court or a clay court but I mean the same could be really said about clay uh, you know uh, I mean nobody obviously is uh, even comes remotely close to Rafael Nadal's uh, you know clay court prowess and his his uh, what he's done on on that surface so for me I think it would have been a, a time for the French Federation maybe to buck the trend a little bit and seed him in the top four um, but, you know, hey, listen, in the end, it was Novak really that paid the price because he had to play him in the quarterfinals. So, um, you know, I would have loved to have seen that clearly as a final. I think every single person would have loved to have preferred to see that final than what we saw. And as you said, Kasper Ruud, a great player and certainly his best surface is clay. But when you're talking about his best surface being clay and he lost 3-3 in love. <laughs> Okay, Um, (laughs) you go, Okay, maybe they should have seated uh, him a little bit higher. But having said all of that and complaining about something, which I, you know, tend to tend to do sometimes, um, I just want to sit back and I just I cannot believe that this guy has won four. You think about the record that was held for quite a long time there for a while until Roger and Rafa and Novak came along at 14 Grand Slams was Pete Sampras. And he's just equaled. What Pete Sampras did in one tournament. I mean, it's just outrageous. And, to, you know, to to put his foot to sleep, basically, you know, to, to think he has an issue with the bone sort of basically depleting on him and cutting the nerves so he can actually run on a tennis court without pain is just outrageous. And you hear, you hear it in his voice. He knows that he cannot sustain that because when you put your foot to sleep, you, you don't have as much control over it. And he's probably worried about tearing, you know, obviously going over in his ankle or, you know, he could fracture his foot and he has no idea because he has no pain in that because he's deadened it. So uh, it's just unbelievable. He's just the class of the class of the class. No, I mean, it's unbelievable, obviously, like not only in terms of the accomplishment, the number, the perseverance, the humility which he talks about playing tennis with just enjoying all the moments you know you really do believe in anybody who's watched him play for even a moment you've seen him contend one point the same way he contends every point which is with every ounce of his being and effort which is just such a it's so cool to see anybody try that hard at anything you know like I like to think that I cook with that amount of effort or I tie my shoelaces with that amount of effort or like a parent I certainly don't parent with that amount of effort. And the fact that this guy cannot help but only be in that mode um, is honestly like, you know, you can win without it as many other people do, but that's the way he wins and it's something else. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit about this because you have had experience with, you know, chronic pain has, has every professional. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean when Rafa bringing his doctor 
and essentially treating that foot, I have to imagine day by day, maybe even hour by hour, like just explain for people who don't understand and have never played sports at a pro level, what kind of mentality that takes, what kind of pain management that takes, like what kind of, you know, understanding that a lot of these players have just, you know, are not often feeling a hundred percent perfectly okay. And where the lines get drawn and how you kind of deal with that. Cause I don't think that's something really most people understand. As anyone who's been following along this show knows, uh, Renee and I both went pretty hard in the paint in March, not necessarily eating our best or living our most healthy, balanced lives. That's why we were so excited when Sakara came our way, offering to have us try out one of their three-day meals. These are nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body. We're practicing some abundance mentality this year, um, and so Sakara joined us to sponsor the show for a couple of episodes. and to help our listeners uh, get the same experience. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash racket to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash racket. Well, I, I, th- I think that's the only reason why he would think about playing Wimbledon, to be quite honest. I mean, we, he missed it playing last year, um, I believe, because of the same injury. Um, so I think that now he's going to give it his best. I think he'll wait a couple of weeks to, you know, settle it. I have to tell you, I walked in behind him at transportation. Um, I think it was like middle, middle weekend time. So he obviously already played two or three matches and he was limping badly in front of me. So clearly when he's not on the, the painkillers and the anesthetic in the injury, he's in tremendous amount of pain. So I think, you know, what he said in the post-match interview was we'll see what we can do other than what we're doing now, which is to, I guess, burn off the, whatever they do some sort of stuff to see if they can do it that way, rather than just completely keep putting, you know, an anesthetic in there to, to, to just to quell the pain. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's an opportunity for him to possibly win the calendar grand slam and my God, would that solidify him as the greatest, uh, certainly of this generation to win a calendar grand slam. We saw how Novak came so close to it last year and, you know, he's done well at the front at the, at the U S open in the past, he's defending champion. So, you know, obviously Wimbledon's going to be a big mountain to climb. We know how well Novak plays on grass. Um, and I don't think, no, you know, that, uh, Rafa will play there unless he's, able to move and so we'll, we all wait with braided breath like we did yesterday like you said when during the speech I have to tell you I had dinner with um, Donna Vekic, Maria Sakari and uh, Isla Tomlanovic last night and the first thing we all said to each other was were well, you guys all waiting for him to like say I'll be back next year or whatever and Maria's like I was just hanging on what he was saying so he's so beloved by players and he's so admired and uh, everyone was a little relieved when they didn't hear him say I'm retiring so we've got a little bit of time up our sleeve not to worry about that for the moment but um, I think it's going to be a hard slog for him um, going forward physically. Yeah seems like it. All right let's spend a minute talking about the women. I mean Iga there's not really much you can say. She is head and shoulders above 
the rest of the field at the moment. Um, you know, she was expected to win. She has now equaled Venus Williams, uh, no, sorry, equaled Serena Williams's streak and it has Venus's inner sights if she wins one more match of 35. It's just crazy to think of how dominant she is at the moment. It's kind of reminding me of some of those Djokovic years where he just looked unbeatable and tactically unmatchable in, in because she's not only outplaying people physically, she's seeming to leave opponents vexed. Um, that's certainly what happened to Coco on Saturday. What's your takeaway from that match? I was obviously happy to see her in it. It's nice to have an American. Jess Pagula also had a great tournament. Um, they came very close in winning the doubles together, um, losing in three to Caro uh, Garcia and Christina Mladenovic. But I do think Coco has a little bit of game left to develop before she's able to hang in there. Maybe not against an Iga, but against a top 30 player because she didn't play any heading into the heading into the championship match. So I, I do wonder, like, what's your take on, sure, Iga and how much she's, you know, head and shoulders above everybody at, at the moment, but also, you know, if you were coaching Coco, like what you would sort of encourage her to take away from the match and maybe keep working on? Well, I mean, if, boy, if I was, uh, you know, in her camp, I'd be delighted. I mean, to make a singles and doubles final, uh, you know, her second doubles final of a Grand Slam, that's only going to help her going forward and dealing with the pressures of, you know, winning a Grand Slam, whether it's in doubles. And, and I am such an advocate of young players playing doubles. Um, you know, we've seen some terrific players through the years win doubles Grand Slams prior to winning a singles Grand Slam. I mean, the list is quite long, uh, you know, Ash Barty for one, you know, who's recent, who won the US Open doubles before she won uh, her singles Grand Slams. I mean, we saw Azarenka win mixed doubles Grand Slams. We saw, I mean, the list is long. I don't need to go through them, but I think it's really, really important for young players to play doubles. I think it helps them in big moments and playing tournament matches and being on the big courts. Um, but I think, you know, what we saw in the final is also someone, as you said, eager, just so unbelievably a confident going in in every match. I mean, she had a bit of a struggle in one match. She went three sets, didn't play her tactically best match. Um, but I think what we saw was also just a couple of the weaknesses on, um, you know, the forehand side of Coco, which certainly is better on clay because she gets more time. And I always said that I thought she would be better on clay because of that. Um, but you could see the tactical response from Iga. It was backhand cross-court, backhand cross-court, and as soon as she could go backhand down the line, because really Coco's backhand is just so, so good, that as soon as she could get it to Coco's forehand, she was taking that backhand straight down the line and forcing Coco to have to do something really special with her forehand and either go back to Iga's backhand or really hit a good one to the forehand, and she either didn't hit it well or she missed it to the forehand. You could just tell the tactical sense that Iga had out there. She knew exactly what she needed to do, and I think because... Tennis is always about matchups. And you could see that, for example, in the semifinal, Trevisan is a lefty. So her balls tend to go into the backhand side of Coco. And you saw how comfortable Coco was in that matchup because mm -hmm. of that matchup. Whereas playing against Iga, it's completely the opposite. So you see how comfortable she was playing Trevisan. Clearly, Trevisan's not the player that Iga is. But the flip side is that Iga's uh, game is just a nightmare to play, uh, particularly on clay against uh, for Coco because of that that match that was going into the backhand and then back to the forehand. So we saw that every single time Iga took that forehand down the line, the, the point went back into Iga's uh, favour. And, you know, we saw her really dismantle Coco. And also 
I would say you're 18 years of age. You have never been in a Grand Slam singles final. It is a very, very, very different situation. It takes a really special player to win their first ever Grand Slam that they enter in singles. Um, and I just think she's fantastic. I think she's going on the right track. She's, you know, working with a new coach now a little bit more and as well as her dad. And, you know, I just think she's doing everything the right way. And may I say, even away from the tennis, and I tweeted this, two of the nicest young ladies you'll ever meet in your entire life playing against each other in that final, loving the game of tennis. And they're just, they're, they're both such nice young ladies that it's so nice to see that in, in, in any way for me. Um, I also think, you know, Coco, I was lucky enough to see her play junior girls three years ago at Roland Garros. And I watched her play, you know, who else was in the semis at that tournament? She won it. She beat Katie McNally, her doubles partner in the finals who beat Iga in one of the semis and the other semi Coco beat Leila Fernandez. And so it really is funny when you get to go to these grand slams, one of my favorite parts is getting to see the junior players, the wheelchair players, the legends players. Um, and for me, tennis is not just singles, it's doubles, it's mixed, it's all these other events. And the slams really do offer up all of that on a platter. So that is my way of getting you to talk about Gabriella Sabatini and your own experience talking about legends. Sure. Like I'm also here to hear that. So any, um, any thoughts or takeaways on the legends this year? I have a few matches uh, because she hurt her shoulder so badly. And so it really comes down to a lot of times with these uh, legends that we can actually get through the matches without physically dying. Um, but it was lovely to see Gabriella and Gisela Dulco because let me tell you, they happen to be the best looking pair of all time. Walking onto <laughs> Everybody the tennis court. would agree with and that. And they matched perfectly and they, and they, they had their Lacoste outfits. They had, did lose in the final to Flavia and Francesca. But um, it was just so nice for all of us to see each other and all of us to catch up, to be quite honest with you. So that's always really fun for all of us to get um, a chance to not only get back on the courts together, but actually to see each other. We, I haven't seen Gisela Dulco in like, you know, eight years or something. So it's just always so fun. And, uh, and we, we, we love it. We love it. We love it. Although there's a few aches and pains out there. Yeah, I mean, not going to die. Maybe you guys should take the Rafa mentality and just be willing to sacrifice your body parts and then this wouldn't be such an issue. Well, the doctor did say to me when he said, do you, when do you want to get the injection in your shoulder? And I said, well, I think I should wait until after I'm done. He said, well, yes, because we do have to get a, t you know, do we have to get a TUE? Like, you know, you have to get exceptions to get certain things, you know, for the drugs and all that sort of stuff. And, and I said, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm not under that restriction. You can give me any drugs you want, mate. Uh, <laughs> They all had a good laugh about that. But I did have to wait until I was out before I got my injection. But uh, I'm, I'm feeling better, Caitlin. I think I'm, I'm, I might be back at Wimbledon serving at least 100 miles an hour. At least. Well, I, that was going to be my final question for you, which is I just booked my tickets. I will see you there in it looks like three short weeks time. Um, will you mm -hmm. be playing Legends? Can you give us a preview about whether you'll be playing or not? Or is that still something you're going to reveal at a later date? No, no, I can reveal now I will be playing the mixed doubles at the Invitational with, uh, I think Thomas Enquist might be my partner and he's quite the cutie. So, I mean, you know, not super into the boys, but I do love a good looking Swede. So, you know, that's going to be my partner and it's going to have just loads of fun um, veterans back out there on the Legends Court. So that'll be a lot of fun. And clearly, look, we've got the whole situation at Wimbledon with no points and you know, it's uh, the whole situation there, which, you know, you and I might get into prior to Wimbledon when it starts, but it's very disappointing how everything went down there with the points and with the, you know, the bands. And I just think that uh, that was a cock up, as we say, in, in every way. 
uh, now that I'm in England, I'm going to call it a cock up because that was a cock up. Well, anyway. let's uh, we'll table that until the close of the tournament because I know we have some strong opinions about it. But um, I'm happy to have closed the chapter on an, another incredible clay court season. Uh, I'm very very thrilled with how good the tournament was, as you said, sunny fan. Uh, fans at capacity and two great champions coming off of the Roland Garros titles. And now we're in the grass, which is an amazing part of the year. So I will see you next week where we will talk about um, all manner of grass court goings on. We might get more into Wimbledon, um, but thank you everybody for listening and uh, good luck to Sam this week. Thank you, my friend and enjoy everybody. The grass is here. Points are short, a little bit of serve and volley, a little chip and charge. Uh, but overall, we're just going to have a lot of long rallies as everybody can play from the baseline now so anyway, <laughs> even on grass anyway caitlin it's great to talk to you you as and well thanks thanks for everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you on the grass softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com